Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Goldsmith hits it, a ton out to deep left, and it is gone! Into the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals. A two-run homer for Paul Goldsmith. The guy has been on fire. He has an on-base percentage of over 500. Paul Goldschmidt leading the Cardinals yesterday, and really the entire offense, and they're starting to get it rolling. A sense of normalcy, a little bit, a little bit of a rhythm into this season. The Cardinals roll over the Kansas City Royals in game number one of their three-game series. It'll be Matt Harvey against Adam Wainwright tonight. Game two of that series, you can see it on Fox Sports Midwest. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mack. Dan McLaughlin with you and six five seven eight zero. If you want to talk to us on the text line, next segment Alex Ferrario in studio, kind of a look back at what went wrong in the bubble for the Blues, and certainly a look ahead at the off season for the St. Louis Blues. So, Paul Goldschmidt that made it eight three. Cardinals win a nine three, and the Cardinals stay three games back of the Chicago Cubs. Jack Flaherty, man, does he look good? Starting to extend now into that 60 pitch count now you'll get into 70 to 80 you get into the double headers they're only seven innings you got to figure some of these guys at least go seven innings we'll see how about the pitch count and the talk with prior to the game and then after the game with manager mike shield yeah i mean i woke up this morning and you know i talked with Schultz yesterday he asked me what are you what are you feeling we talked about a number and i woke up this morning and just felt really good told him hey i've got you know, we talked about a number and I raised it a couple and said, I, you know, I'm good for 70. And, you know, at the end of the day, he was going to make the decision. And But the goal tonight was just to go out and be efficient, get get quick outs, see how deep I could go on um, until he, he kind of was going to call it quits. And so it was just about going out there and, and executing. And, uh, you know, guys got a lead, put a run across in the first. It was important to go out and put up a zero after that. And then, you know, they, they just continued to tack it on. It was 6 nothing. Then Reyes came in. Soler hits a three-run bomb, 6-3. But the Cardinals did not sit back. You know, you're going to have games like this sometimes where there's there's a couple of miscues. But you also have a game like this where, where guys made some great plays. You know, Goldie made a great play and um, on that line drive down the line. You know, Brad made every other play. Uh, Pauly, I mean, even a, a simple routine ground ball run on third two outs. And, you know, he made that play. It may seem routine, but in a situation like that, you know, it's it's a big play. It's a big situation. Um, so you know, the, the, the defense is there. Guys, guys are, they continue to work so hard on that aspect of it. And, you know, they continue to pile on and they continue to just to add on it. And, you know, we, we had a lead and then, um, you know, gave a couple runs back and then they, did, they added right back. Goldie with that two run shot just to continue to, to add to the lead so there was no guys weren't satisfied they, they didn't just sit around and you know sit on the lead and be like all right we got enough runs let's just like pack it in you know they just they stayed on the attack top of the lineup was on base 10 different times one two and three the one thing i love what i'm seeing about paul goldschmidt is not only the home run the singles but he's getting on base with walks and you can see what he's doing in terms scotty of just how he's taking pitches he's locked in so before he hits the home run, there's a slider and a good one doesn't chase. He's seeing the ball. He's seeing the ball as well as I can remember in his time in St. Louis, which albeit has been a short time. But at any point last year, I don't remember him being this locked in. I don't remember. 
Do you? No, I couldn't think of it either. But watching him the last couple of games, Dan, it's like, oh my gosh. I think that we're all fans are almost like unappreciating this guy. I mean, he is one of the best hitters in baseball right now. I mean, on base percentage, that graphic that you guys threw up yesterday, he's up like 60 points on the second place person. And I don't know. If, I think underappreciate is probably the, the right way to put it because he doesn't do a lot of like flash. You know, he hits a home run and he just kind of <laughs> makes a diving play or you know what I mean? It's I mean, just that, like, oh, it's Goldie. Yeah, it's like, with all due respect, I say that because that's just him. Right. He, he's just not going to be flashy. He's not going to be pumping his fist. He's not going to be doing somersaults. It's just, that's him. That's the way he goes about his business. And he talked about after the game how the Cardinals, are their pitching staff, on the flip side, are starting to build up their pitch counts and moving forward. That's a big deal for them. I mean, he did a great job tonight, but you know that's kind of where we're at right now with with all of our guys. You know, I talked about it a couple of days ago. You know, this is just I hate to say it, but a weird year. But especially what happened where we didn't play for over two weeks and you know pitchers having to build up their pitch count. So just something we have to deal with. And you know, bullpen's done a great job coming in after them, and starters are doing everything they can to go deep into games and. Um, you know, we'll just have to keep going. It's just gonna, just gonna take everyone. It's just not gonna be, you know, one or two guys going out there. Five seven three, Danny Mac. He reminds me of Roland. Hmm. Yeah, kind of a little bit the same deal. <laughs> not a lot of uh, smiles. Just get the job done. Putting up numbers. Good defensively. Could win a Gold Glove. Hit you twenty five, thirty home runs. Maybe drive in a hundred. Do you know? Just does his job. Yeah. I kind of yeah, a little bit the same. I could see a comparison between the two. Definitely. Um, I'll tell you what. I don't know what fans... It's hard in the short season to get a reaction in a limited amount of games, Scotty. I don't know what fans think, but I'm really liking what I see out of Brad Miller. I just, I, he's got a little personality. I like him. And you called him. You're, we talked about predictions. Dan, I remember you being in here and Brad hadn't even played yet with the Cardinals because he was hurt. And you were like, dude, Brad Miller, like this guy, he's going to be good. He can and break. He's, he's absolutely right. And you're 100% right. I'm loving it from home. It's like this guy is bad in the two hole. I said this morning, why are we going to change that? Like if Colton Long's in the lineup tonight, how do you not keep Brad Miller in the top four hitters? Well, what's going to get interesting is if you have Carpenter, DeYoung, Wong, Miller. So where, where do you... Somebody's got to sit. Oof. Well, so you got DeYoung at short, and I'm talking about Edmund, too. So you got Wong at second, you got DeYoung at short, Carpenter at third. And a DH. And a DH. Okay, so who sits? Now... You know that with all the double headers coming up, that's the thing. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have to sit somebody to give him some rest. That's the beauty of this. Now, Wong sat yesterday. I think Mike is playing this perfectly too, Mike Schilt, because it's not just the pitchers. I've been saying this too from day one. You have to get your position players off their feet. I mean, you you just have to. It's not just sitting there. Now, Yachty's a different case. I throw Yachty out. He doesn't count. He's just. He's crazy in a good way. He wants to play every day. Yachty says, I want to play. Fine. You're in. I write him in. Pen with a Sharpie. Yeah, he's in. Everybody else, though, I got to get him off their feet. I mean, you just have to. You know, maybe Edmund sits tonight. You know, it's one of those things. But the DH allows you to do that. And 
you know, with uh, the versatility of Tommy Edmond, you, you do get that chance to do that. Um, you know, Brad Miller uh, can also play a little bit in the outfield. And he talked about how right now, and he, he said it to me after the game, we're starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm into this season. You know, obviously, you know, pretty pretty crazy couple of weeks there. Um, I think even during the, the downtime, you know, um, obviously not being able to be together, but we're all kind of going through that together. I think that was, you know, the start and everybody kind of kept each other sane. And, um, you know, and then exactly now, I think we're getting into a good rhythm. Hopefully we can just, you know, keep this going. And um, the good news is, you know, there's no off day, so we're going to be playing every day. So let's, uh, you know, keep it cranking. Keep it cranking. The next off day, by the way, is until September 3rd. September 3rd. It's a lot of baseball. Today is August 25th. It's a lot of baseball, Scotty. And they haven't had an off day. What, this is now, yesterday was their 13th game back? Yeah, I think 13th. They started um, a week ago Saturday. Another doubleheader coming up on Thursday against the Pirates. But this is where, you know, you're getting all these games back to try to get caught up. But, again, you've got Matt Harvey. He's not quite the Matt Harvey of where he was um, with the Mets. He's trying to, you know, find it again. Uh, Hey, man. Go get them. I don't know, man. When they're playing like this, that first week back, and I'm telling you that first at bat by Wong and the start by Wayno to give you five, integral. It's just like, hey, we're back playing baseball. Kind of set the tone. They weathered that storm. It's fun again. Aren't you having fun watching this? Oh, my gosh, yes. It's must-see TV. It is. Seriously. It's fun to have baseball back. I remember how many different things I watched on Netflix during quarantine, Dan. <laughs> and since sports have came back, I have not watched one thing on Netflix an entire month. I can't believe it. It's it's just, it's it's good too because they're in a race. And now we're starting to talk about, like, for instance, I mentioned last night, it's a critical series, what's happening with Milwaukee and Cincinnati. They started last night five and a half games out with 34 to play. That's a big series for them. And Cincinnati lost with Bauer on the mound last night. That's their best pitcher going. And they lost. So that drops them six and a half games back. Six and a half back with Bauer on the mound. And they're not hitting. With that loaded lineup, they are not hitting. They're in the bottom of runs scored, at least in the bottom five of runs scored in Major League Baseball. And they went for broke. They, they were going for broke this year when they went and got Castellanos. And they have Suarez and they've got Votto. Uh, who else they get? The big bat. Um, who am I forgetting? Come on, help me out, Scotty. Uh, the center fielder? Well, they, they Akiyama. Akiyama. Yeah, but they... Um, come on, help me out. I'm freezing here. Come on. Castellanos. Text line, help me out. I'm losing my mind. Moustakis. They went and got Moustakis. I mean, they, they should have a very good lineup that's generating offense, and they're not. And Bauer's in the final year of his deal. Trade deadline's coming up. I mean, in a regular season, I don't even think I would have seen Cincinnati six and a half out on August 25th. No. I, I mean, it's just, what do you do if you're the Reds? Now, again, a lot of teams are going to make the playoffs, so it's not like they're out of it. They can make a little run here at the end. But, man, oh, man, that's... You know, you start scoreboard watching now. You're getting to that point. Mike Schilt, final uh, time I want to play a little soundbite here, but he he talked about, and we're starting to see this too. You know, the pitching, you want to get that back. You want to get it going. 
and now we're seeing it. I mean, the pitching has just been dominant right now for the Cardinals, which I thought from day one that would be defining their season. I thought their defense would, too. Defense wasn't sharp last night. Defense has been okay on this homestand. Not great. But I'm loving what I'm seeing now. The offense is starting to get it going. And he talked about how, as a team, they're starting to take really good at-bats. Yeah, I mean, I like the at-bats all the way through the lineup tonight. Top of the lineup, a lot of production there. Um, you mentioned Paul. He really good at-bats, good approach. Last night, drove the ball the other way. Drove the ball the other way early. Um, and then, you know, two-run double. And, um, you know, Dex taking good at-bats, seeing the ball well. Dylan, and of course, Harris is taking good at-bats, too. I got another one out of there. So, um, you know, it's a lengthy lineup. Everybody's, you know, looking to take the quality of bat, not try to do too much. Everybody's got clarity to what they're trying to do based on the situation. It's a good offensive team. It is. And when you start thinking about Bader and what he is doing, Bader looks like a different player here the last three, four days. You can see the adjustments he made. He was inches away from hitting his third home run in as many games. That's length in your lineup. So makes it fun. It's fun to be at the ballpark. It's fun to do home games for us. We're uh, situated, by the way, if you're wondering, we are at the ballpark. I was with Brad last night. We're at the booth. Great to be back down there, see some familiar faces. So we get the chance to do the game at the ballpark when they're on the road. We're in a uh, studio. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Believe me. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, our friend Alex Ferrario. Go through the good, bad, the ugly of the St. Louis Blues season. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check, 1028. Presented by Clarkson Jewelers. Alex Ferrario was with the Blues all season long. Unfortunately, that season has come to a close. Blues were in the Edmonton bubble, and uh, it comes to a close. First round loss, six games to the Vancouver Canucks. Alex, you did an awesome job, first and foremost, being with the Blues on the pre and the post and the intermission, so you are to be uh, commended, my man. You did an awesome job. I appreciate that, Danny. Those are those are what you, you do this for, right? This is, this is yeah. the work you enjoy, and regardless if they get bounced in the first round or in the Stanley Cup, it's still exciting. I will ask you this, just a simple question. Can we evaluate any teams um, because of what's happened in the bubble? I don't think so. I think you can evaluate teams that are still in it right now because they've been able to overcome um, the other aspect of this bubble play that I think a lot of people are just undermining, and that's the mental side of this thing. I think the teams that have been eliminated, I don't think you can evaluate them. And I said this, I wrote an article on 101ESPN.com yesterday, Dan. I think when you look at the Blues, you can't evaluate this team from the two victories that they had when they were in Edmonton. you got to evaluate that as a separate piece and the other piece being the regular season where they won 42 games and they finished first in the conference. I think a lot of people hear it as an excuse and hear it as, well, teams find ways to overcome it. Yes, that's true, but if you hear some of those players talk after the bubble, it was not an easy thing. you got to find ways to overcome that mental state of being locked in a room, not being able to leave the building other than for a conference room or stand outside and play basketball. Um, and, you know, the Dallas Stars head coach made a great comment after their team's first-round victory, Dan, and he said, I'm not concerned about the second round yet. I'm more concerned about my team's mental. And that just goes to show you the teams that have overcome that and made it to the second round, 
they were able to overcome an obstacle that I don't think other teams are able to overcome. So you look at it almost as two different seasons. I do. I, I really do. I look at it as uh, a four-month hiatus of not skating, not being on the ice, jumping into training camp, and then going right into games. I mean, you look at it, Dan, let's just say a regular season here. Let's say you don't skate, you're bounced in April of the regular season, you're off from May until September when you have two weeks of preseason games, and then, hey, right into the postseason play. Yeah. It's not an easy task, and I think some teams are able to overcome that. They're able to channel um, that inner strength of not having fans, not having you know road trips and fans to build off of. They got to find ways to build their own momentum, and unfortunately, the Blues just weren't able to do it. Six five seven eight zero six five seven eight zero. We're going to talk Blues hockey from here on out this hour on one hundred one ESPN. Your home is St. Louis Blues hockey again. Uh, we'll be back to baseball tomorrow, but Alex is with us, and we'll talk about uh, the season that was, and then obviously a lot of what is going forward. And there's a ton to cover. Um, so we'll talk about probably the number one thing that if you're a Blues fan, you're wondering about the captain. Does he mm-hmm. come back? So this has a lot of tentacles to it. Number one, do you think they re-sign the captain? I do. I think, one, you were already on the point of you have to bring back the captain, Petrangelo, for what he means to this team. But two, now more than ever after watching the team play in the postseason, if you're Doug Armstrong, you look at it and you say, I don't know if we can survive without Petrangelo. Petrangelo is an elite defenseman. I mean, that, that's just how it is. If you go around the NHL, Dan, you can't find a lot of elite defensemen for their team. There's a lot of number ones, but there's not a lot of elite defensemen. And I know people look at his bubble play and say, well, he wasn't that great. Great. Rightfully so, but everyone in that bubble struggled. It wasn't just Alex Petrangelo. Um, but but you look at what he means to the team. If you lose an Alex Petrangelo, you lose somebody who can quarterback the power play. You lose somebody who can play 22, 23 minutes a night. You lose somebody who can anchor a penalty kill. Um, and you lose a guy who can not only be as sturdy in the defensive end as anybody on your roster, but somebody who can jump into play and score big goals for you. I mean, he is a 200-foot defenseman. And on top of it, Dan, you go look at how defensemen grow in the NHL. Elite defensemen get better once they hit the age of 30. Al McKennis, Chris Pronger, Nicholas Lidstrom, Chris Chelios. These are all Hall of Famers. They were at their best when they hit 30 and, and, and higher. So I think with Petrangelo, you're still going to have about four to five years of peak performance as an elite defenseman. And you know what? He's going to want a seven or eight year contract. I don't know if you can pull that off if you're the Blues, but in my opinion, you have to find a way to make him your captain for the rest of his career because he is the anchor to this team, I think, on the blue line. Well, that'll be the question. Uh, with the numbers now, let's start breaking it down. How does that happen? Where's the cap? How do the numbers work? So I looked this up last night on uh, on Cap Friendly because I knew you and I were sitting down today and I wanted to make sure I dove into this as much as I could. And you know I'd put you on the I spot. I knew I did, and that's why I said, you know what, Danny's going to throw these hardball questions <laughs> at me and I need to be ready for this. So next year, according to Cap Friendly, you have $78.5 million already on the book. That doesn't mean Petrangelo. That's no Dunn, no De La Rose. Well, let, let, hold on now. So mm-hmm. the cap for all teams will be around 80, 81.5. 81.5. And the, the exact Blues. same this season was. So the Blues are at 78.5. Minus Petrangelo. Petro. So okay. that means Petro's an unrestricted free agent. He's gotcha. not on your books. So with 78.5 mil, quick math here, that's $3 million. You don't have much wiggle room. I'm looking at a Petrangelo who's coming off of a $6.5 million contract. Roman Yossi was at nine. You're looking at probably somewhere between 7.5 and 8.5 million Petrangelo per year. 
Um, you know, maybe he takes less money in the front end of the contract until things work out, but you're still looking at an AAV of around that time. So with $3 million on the books right now that you have to spend, you got to find room somewhere. Let's like hypothetically down this road, Dan, you trade Jake Allen frees up about $4.2 million still isn't enough to get it done for you. So Jake Allen trade, which I think you could get something for Jake Allen teams would want him because he proved that he can win playoff games for you. Um, Then you get to the point of deciding what to do after that. Do you buy out an Alexander Steen who some of that money is going to, count against your cap but it does free up that five million dollars so you could do that with alexander steen and have that money to mess around with do you trade a tyler bozak which is going to give you five and a half million dollars not going to be an easy task because i believe he's got a modified no trade and on top of it you are looking at a player who's 32 years old i believe so that's an option another option shorts i don't know if this is a route you want to go down after you saw him play in the playoffs but he does have one year left before he's an unrestricted free agent. And if you want Petro, I don't know if you can keep Jaden Schwartz. So right now, there are five or six different pieces to a puzzle to get Petrangelo re-signed. But just Allen and the cap space right now, that only has about $7 million for you. So you are going to have to make another roster move on top of Jake Allen, whether that be buy out Alexander Steen, trade away Tyler Bozak, or make some other roster decision to bring Petro back. But the other thing with that too, Dan, is you can't just bring Petro back and say we're good because you do need to find secondary scoring. You don't know about Tarasenko, and it was pretty obvious in the postseason that other than O'Reilly, Perron, occasionally Shannon Schwartz, you didn't have much scoring. How important, in your opinion, is it for him to stay here? I think it's I think it's at the utmost importance. I think if there was a, a priority chart for this team, I think Petrangelo would be number one. And I hear people say, well, what about Colton Pareko? And Jamie Rivers and I have talked about this a lot, Dan. Colton Pareko is an up-and-coming defenseman, but he's only five years in the NHL. And you go look at Petrangelo, his first five years in the NHL, he wasn't an elite defenseman. He was a good defenseman, but he wasn't there. You have a defenseman that among NHL analysts and general managers and presidents of hockey operations, they see Petrangelo as top three in the NHL right now. He is a franchise-changing defenseman. Think if you took Duncan Keith away from the Chicago Blackhawks before they went on their title run. That's what you're doing to the Blues. So if there's a if there is a a a priority chart or a ranking system, in my eyes, Petrangelo's number one if you want this franchise to keep going towards the Stanley Cup. Where does the expansion draft figure into the plans with signing, uh, re-signing Petro and, and how that maybe figures into... Uh, the money and, yep. and that kind of thing too. That's a good question, Dan. So, so this off season, it, there's no expansion draft. This off season is a normal off season. It's next off season when that expansion draft comes, and that's when Seattle is an NHL team and they do basically what Vegas does. They get one player from each team in a 31 NHL draft. Um, if you keep Petrangelo. I think you're going to expose Justin Falk. Now, that's the priority of, okay, well, what's Vince Dunn look like? Um, Is Scott Perunovich a player? Which I don't think he would even be liable for that expansion draft, but it makes players expendable. But if you keep Petrangelo, you have the decision. You can go six, six forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender, or you can go seven players and one and uh, one goaltender, I believe. Do you think, and I'll wrap up this segment with this, and then we'll go to some other guys. Do you think legacy is important to, to Alex to, to finish here and to, to be the captain that brought the, the cup here, the first guy to have the statue outside Scott trade, to have the, the number raised rafters and, and to 
have his his kids born here, to finish here, to be in the front office. I mean, all those things. Yeah. Do you think that's important to him? I think so. And it's it's the last portion of what you just said there, Dan. It's his kids being born here. It's his wife being from here. I think when you think of legacy as a player, he's not from St. Louis. He's a Canadian-born kid. But he he's been born and raised in St. Louis, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he became young man in, to a man. Exactly. I mean, he came in here as an eighteen, nineteen year old in a draft. He turned into an NHL player. He led this team through a lot of bad situations with David Backus. Backus goes and he's become captain, and he's the first guy to win a Stanley Cup. I think when you ask Petrangelo, and he'll never give you an honest answer with this because, of course, this is an internal conversation. But if I were in his shoes. Legacy is important. You want the you want the money. You want to be paid what you feel like you are worth. That's any athlete. But more so than anything, you want a chance to continue to play for the Stanley Cup. Like you're in the NHL because you want a chance to be the best. And the Blues have that best opportunity for you right now. If this was a normal offseason, if this was no pandemic, no financial hits to other NHL teams, I think he'd have 10 or 11 teams that are contenders for the Stanley Cup ready to throw money at him right now. But going into this offseason, I think the only team that can give him what he wants is the St. Louis Blues, meaning the money, the years, and the chance to continue to win a Stanley Cup. And on top of it, be a Hockey Hall of Famer and have your banner raised in the rafters because all of that is on the plate right now for Petrangelo. It's just a matter of do the Blues want to give that to Alex Petrangelo. Alex Ferrario is with us. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Back with more on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario is with us. We're talking a little blues hockey and leading you into ribs and BK. Uh, one of the big questions will be Tarasenko. Yeah. Where are we at with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko? This is an interesting one, Dan. Um, if you would have asked me this question during the pause, during the four months where we hadn't seen these guys on the ice, I would have said everything's fine. You're going to see him back. Everything's going to be normal. Um, if you would ask me that question in training camp, I would have said the same thing because the shot looked the shot looked great. But something happened once they hit Edmonton and he started to actually play NHL games. And that's the cliche saying, Dan, like, well, you know, you can train all you want. You can practice all you want. But until you play NHL games, that's when you know if you're really injured or not. Um, I think with the Blues and Doug Armstrong is going to address the media tomorrow afternoon. So we'll find more about Tarasenko. Now, we were originally supposed to find things out on Monday, but of course they were bounced. So they're going to do their end of offseason press conference. I'm interested to find out where that stands, because look, this is the same shoulder that was injured. This was the same shoulder that had two surgeries to it. And we were told that everything went well in the in the surgery and that he was fine. But something happened. He played two games in the bubble. He played or I'm sorry, he played one game in the bubble, he played the exhibition, and then played the two Vancouver Canucks games. I I think right now you're at a point where if Tarasenko is going to be injured every other season, then you have to look outside because, I mean, you got to have a weapon there on the wing. If they come tomorrow and Doug Armstrong says, you know, Tarasenko's fine, it just was nagging him a little bit, he just needs a little more recovery, then I think 
with that mindset, you hope that with the offseason from now until December, January, whenever they start, that Tarasenko will be 100%. But that's going to be an intriguing decision by Doug Armstrong of what happens. I'm not saying they're going to trade Tarasenko because he still is a franchise player. But if this is a problem that is going to continue to reoccur, then the Blues will have to find a way to upgrade because without Tarasenko, that takes away some of your scoring. It does. Um in terms of trying to get the season going, so ideally they finish up the season when? If they, if it goes to Game 7... I um, think they would plan on finishing the season. The draft is scheduled for October 9th and 10th, so basically that first week of October is when the NHL plans to have the Stanley Cup Finals done. Now, okay. we saw in this last round, Dan, that no team went to a game seven. They all ended in five or six. If that continues, then that's a luxury for the NHL, but the NHL isn't afraid to start the next round if the second round is still playing. We saw that with the Dallas and Calgary are the Dallas and Colorado series. They were going to start Saturday, even if the Blues forced a game seven. So the NHL is forced to try and get this done in October because their plan is December or January to start the next regular season. So you want to be done in October to give the draft and then the off season for players to get set for the next year. And the next year would start. The hope is it would start in December because the, the NHL has continued to say it will be 82 games. But from what I'm hearing, the NHL is also talking, and John Shannon from uh, Canadian Market put out a report yesterday saying that the NHL is planning to do four bubble cities once the the regular season starts and continuing this bubble play, which will be very interesting if that is the case. Um, But from what I'm hearing, the NHL is either looking at the end of December or the winter classic, the Blues and Minnesota Wild, January 1st being the start of of the NHL season. And if that's the case, you got to condense the schedule because I don't know if you can get 82 games in and a postseason if you start in January. So you would have a bubble season or bubble start to the season mm-hmm. in 2020, 2020, 2021. Correct. And again, this is just a report from John Shannon who covers Canadian markets and covers the NHL for Sportsnet up in Canada. But he said that the plan is to have four bubble cities and Right now, it would seem that you would do four bubble cities in Canada because Canada seems to be the best market and has worked well. It's intriguing, though, if the NHL would do that or if they would do division bubbles where you have the central division bubble, you have the Pacific, the Metro, and and so on and so forth with that. So that really is just going to depend, I think, from the NHL's mindset because, remember, they're going to have time to plan this. You're going to have from October to December or January to plan this rather than the three months of throwing it against the wall and hoping that it works, which it has. Um, But it would make sense because of everything right now in the United States if they do another Canadian bubble and have four different markets of Canadian bubbles to let these teams play in. So when you look at – I was talking about in the crossover. When you look at the NBA, you look at MLB – um, as opposed to the NHL, NHL needs fans in the seats. Mm-hmm. That's where the money, I mean, they, everybody needs fans in the seats. Right. But the TV money is generated at a higher level in those other sports as opposed to the NHL. They, yes. they, they need the fans in the seats. They really do. And, I mean, you look at some of the lower market teams, Dan, like you look at the Florida Panthers or you look at some of these other teams, you know, the Arizona Coyotes. They make money off of TV deals, but not enough to suffice an NHL franchise throughout an 82-game schedule. You need those butts in the seats. You need those people coming through, buying tickets, buying beer, buying food. And that's 
that's why I think the NHL has said that we're going to do this expanded playoffs in the bubble. We're going to take the financial loss, give us some time, because they're hoping that come December or January, if they can't have a full full stadium, they can at least go to half capacity and kind of jumpstart this thing to try and bring some financial aspect back to it. But yeah, if they do another bubble, that's going to be a hit for the NHL because they don't have the NBA TV deals. They don't have the MLB TV deals. I mean, they are based off of those butts in the seats moving forward. And finally, when would we start to hear about Alex and some of the others and, you know, the the, the actual offseason starting yeah. to move forward with the Blues? When do you think? So from what I understand, and the NHL put this out there, that the offseason doesn't start until the draft is concluded now before they had it to where you could have the conversations once the playoffs ended but now they've said that the offseason does not begin until October 9th or 10th so I'm sure you will hear the ongoing conversations of Doug Armstrong and Alex Petrangelo's agency kind of starting the conversations but I don't know if you'll hear a contract extension or a trade or some type of offseason move until you see that draft concluded on October 10th thank you sir Dan thank you buddy Alex Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. There is always great content at 101ESPN.com, and I always go back and listen to Ribs and BK and Alex. And so, BK, what do you have coming up on the show today? I think it's going to be a good one today, not because we have anything of interest for the audience, but we've got some pretty good guests coming up. We've got Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 1130. We have Darren Drager at 1215. We have Craig Button at 1 o'clock. So if you want hockey information, this is the place where you get it. Also coming up at 1245 today, we will be joined by the former Cardinals manager current royals manager mike matheny all right looking forward to it alex great job thanks my man appreciate it dan you got it we'll talk to you at 10 tomorrow on 101 espn you have been listening to the tv voice of the st louis cardinals scoops with danny mack on 101 espn